morning. We're going to continue our series in the book of Acts, which we just started not too long ago, and we are at the end of Acts 2. We're going to look at Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And if you've been here, been following along, you've seen how at the beginning of Acts, it starts with, with Jesus, the risen Jesus, the living Jesus, talking to his disciples and telling them to wait in Jerusalem for the, 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 the falling of the Spirit, and the power of the Spirit that they're going to receive from God so that they will be his witnesses. He ascends to heaven, and then Acts chapter 2 is, is exactly that happening. We see at the beginning of chapter 2 the, the Spirit of God falling at Pentecost on the disciples and then, and then talking about the mighty works of God in all sorts of different languages that all the, all the people around can hear that are visiting Jerusalem that day. And, and, and then Peter stands up and preaches the, this, this message, the, proclaims the, the, the news of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And 3,000 people respond and believe. And, and suddenly, as, as Acts is, is progressing, as just in Acts 2, we, we suddenly see this community of people developing already. Thousands of people, this community of people in Jerusalem, gathering around this person of Jesus Christ and all that he has done and all that he is. And, and at the end of Acts 2, we see a description of this community and uh, what characterizes this community. And, and it's instructive for us because we are a continuation of that community a couple thousand years later. So listen to God's word as I read from Acts 2, starting in verse 42. It's printed in your order of worship if you don't have a Bible. Listen to God's word. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us to pay attention to you. Now, as we think about these words from Acts 2, we pray that your spirit would take the truth of your word and carry it swiftly home to our hearts. We pray that, uh, that the seeds of your word would take root and would bear fruit. Father, we pray that you would help us to listen to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Devotion. What does it mean to be devoted? What does it look like to be devoted to to something or someone. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from the movie Forrest Gump, if any of you guys have seen that movie, um, you, you might recognize the scene, but there, there's a point in the movie where Forrest, he, he comes home after all these different adventures and, and uh, his, his mother dies and his, his 
childhood friend, Jenny, who he loved. He, he asked her to marry him, and then, then she leaves him there all alone at his house, and, and he's left alone, and he's just sitting on his porch. And he's sitting there and looking out at the horizon, and then he just decides to stand up, step down his porch, and run to the end of his driveway. And then it says he got to the end of his driveway, and he decided to just keep running to the end of the street. And then he just keeps running to, uh, to the end of the county. And when he gets to the end of the county, he just keeps running across the state of Alabama. And then he just keeps running until he gets all the way to the Pacific Ocean. And when he gets there, he turns around and he runs back the other direction. And he runs all the way to the, to the Atlantic Ocean. And then he turns around and he starts running back the other direction. And, and, and it, like news starts to get out about this man who's just running. And... And so as he's running, there comes this other jogger who sees him and then runs up next to him. He's like, Mr. Gump, Mr. Gump, I've seen you on the news. I said to myself, here's a guy who's got it all figured out. Here's a guy who has the answers. Mr. Gump, I'll follow you anywhere. And so he falls in behind Forrest, and he starts running behind Forrest. And then other people start gathering and running behind Forrest. I, I have a picture of it. You can put that picture up there. I don't, I don't want to forget to put that up there. So eventually, Forrest is running and he runs for several years, and he has this crowd of people that are just running devotedly behind him, you know, through good weather, bad weather, through, through good terrain, rough terrain. They've all left everything behind, and they're just following him. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far away from home they get, they're just following him. That's a picture of devotion, right? No matter how hard it is, they just, they're, they're following him no matter what. You can take that down, Joanne. That is a picture of devotion. Here in Acts 2, we have another picture of devotion. I know that because verse 42, it says this, right? He says, they devoted themselves. The early church, the, the first believers, were a picture of devotion. This, these 3,000 people, plus the original 120 that it makes reference to in chapter 1, they've devoted themselves to several things. Right? It, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, the, to, to what G Peter just spoke in the rest of chapter 2. He, they devoted themselves to, to what Peter just said about who Jesus is, what he had done, about the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. They devoted themselves to, to hearing more and more about this Jesus and what he commanded them, what he taught them, what he had accomplished. They devoted themselves to this. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to, to people, to, to one another, to being together, to caring for one another, to relationships with one another. They, they devoted themselves to, to the people, to other people who, who have come to, to know Jesus and believe in him. They devoted themselves to, to, to prayer, to crying out to God, to, to pour out more of his power and his grace upon their lives and upon the world. They devoted themselves to prayer down further on, it talks about them in verse 47, praising God on a daily basis. You know, they devoted themselves to praise, to worship. And a lot of people will take this passage and they'll look at it and they'll say, okay, this is, you know, this is what the early church did. This is what characterized the early church. These are things that the early church did. And so that's what we as a church need to be doing. And I would wholeheartedly agree. We need to be, as, as God's people, he calls us to be people who, who are characterized by by knowing more of God and, and what Jesus has taught us and, and what God teaches us about who Jesus is. 
We need, to, we need to be committed and devoted to that. We need to be devoted to, to praying to God, to crying out to him, to intercede in, in our lives and in this world and in the lives of the people around us. We, we should be people who are devoted to fellowship, to, to being with one another and knowing one another and being known by one another. We should be a people who are committed to and devoted to worshiping God, praising him, proclaiming him so that others would hear and know him as well. I would wholeheartedly agree. But what I want to do this morning is not focus so much on these specific things that we should be doing, but, but more on the nature of the devotion that we see here in Acts 2. What characterizes their devotion? We see what they're devoted to, but what characterizes their devotion? And how does it maybe challenge us in the way that we're living today? So the first thing, and I think maybe one of the most obvious things you see here, is that the devotion is radical. Their devotion to, to Jesus and what he has done and, and to these things, to praising God, it's radical. I, I mean, obviously, I think this is part of what makes devotion, true devotion. True devotion is radical. You know, these, these people running out in the middle of nowhere, following force, that's radical. That's what real devotion looks like. It's It's radical. One of the things, that it, it's, not, it's not, you know, just uh, here and there. It's not sometimes, not other times. It's, it's all the time. Devotion is something that, that fills your life on a day-to-day basis. That's why you see that phrase used twice here, a day-by-day in verse 46. They're attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. They're doing this day-by-day and, and then in, at the end of the, of, of the paragraph, it talks about how God is day by day adding to their number. More and more people are being added day by day. This is a day by day thing. It's not a once in a week thing. You know? It's not just showing up on Sunday morning for an hour or even showing up on Sunday morning and maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday for a Bible study for another hour or two. This is a thing that filled their lives. It filled their lives. What Jesus had done had filled their lives. Other people who had come to trust God and and receive him and believe in him, they were filling their lives. Their their lives, it was a day-by-day thing. It was was a ton of time invested. You know, it was the the, the biggest priority, it seems like, in their life. And, And they were intertwining their lives with the other people who believed, right? Day by day, they were together. Verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had, they had voluntarily intertwined their lives with other people. And they, they were, their, their devotion was so radical that they were, they were sacrificing a great deal as well, right? It says, it says here in verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. They looked around and they saw those who had need and they sold their stuff. They didn't just, you know, take what was left over after they were taking care of themselves and and try to give, you know, in a generous way. They were selling their stuff sacrificially in order to care for others who had need, in order to meet the needs of others, in order to, to, to give to what God was doing in their midst. It was radical in the, the day-by-day nature of it, in the sacrificial nature of it, in the, in the intertwining of their lives with others' lives, nature's, nature of it. This community was radical in their devotion. And I'm convicted by this. I don't know how many 
you guys are convicted by this. I am convicted by this. As I look at it and as I look at my own life, how radical is my life in these areas? How radical is my life in these areas? When it comes to time, I mean, we, we all fill our lives with so much, so much. A lot of us, you know, we fill our lives with, with our, our career and we make all sorts of sacrifices with our career in order to sustain a life that is comfortable and to give ourselves all that we want and desire out of life. We fill our lives with all of this work. We fill our lives with, with hobbies and, 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 and interests and, and, and we fill our lives, those of us who have kids, oh my gosh, in our area, we fill our lives with, with stuff for our kids that our number one occupation actually, our, our devotion is actually to taking our kids. It's a daily thing, right? We take our kids to lacrosse, soccer, football, baseball practice. We spend, we sacrifice, we spend tons of money so that they can go on, on, on these, you know, tournament trips to other parts of the country. That's what we fill our lives with. That is what we fill our lives with. And then we just have a little bit left over that we decide to, to kind of like pay attention to God during that time. Right? If that... But this picture here is a picture of, of radical devotion where, where the, the, the thing that fills my life more than anything else is God and God's people and what God is accomplishing. It's radical. And, and, and again, this, this whole intertwining of, of their lives with the, with the other believers' lives, that is so foreign to so many of us here. We like to kind of compartmentalize and seg, uh, segment our life, you know, protect our life, set up boundaries so that people don't invade our life too much, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's good to kind of go out to dinner with somebody once in a while or, uh, you know, see somebody and, and hang out during snack time after, after worship. Um, but to have somebody really invade your life and have it be more of a day-by-day relationship where their life is impacting your life and your life is impacting their life, that's absolutely foreign to most of us here. It reminds me of the... Um, uh, Seinfeld scene. I, I've made mention this before, but there's a scene from Seinfeld. You know, you know, if you've ever watched Seinfeld, Seinfeld has this this kind of eccentric, crazy neighbor named Kramer, who's always, all times of day or night, flying into Seinfeld's room, like just opening the door, letting himself in, and then going through the refrigerator, looking in the refrigerator, just helping himself to everything there. Right? Um, Seinfeld's life is intertwined with Kramer's life in a way that Seinfeld it, it kind of annoys Seinfeld at times. Um, but there's, there's this one scene in one episode where it flashes back to their, the, the beginning of their relationship. When they first meet, when Jerry first moves into his apartment and Kramer just kind of like knocks and peeks his head in the door and, and introduces himself and Jerry introduces himself to, to Kramer and, and Jerry's like, oh, oh, make yourself at home, you know. What's mine is yours, me casa, su casa. And, and Kramer's like, oh, really? <laughs> okay. And so that, that is what, you know, defined their relationship ever since. Like, Kramer took Jerry at his word. We try to avoid that kind of relationship. But I think that's maybe what we see here, isn't it? This intertwining of lives with one another, where everyone's needs is in, impacting everyone else's needs, and they're actually, and then they're making sacrifices. They're selling their stuff. I mean, I have trouble thinking about giving up my subscription to Hulu in order to use that money for something better. 
they're sacrificing. And, and a lot of us, I think there, there are some great examples of us in here who are giving generously, but how many of us actually, as, from time to time or on a regular basis, make a decision, say, I really want this, but I'm not going to get it so that I can give this money to somebody who needs it, or so that I can give this money to what God is doing with the church or another ministry? How many of us are really making sacrifices like that? It's our, our, our devotion, sadly, I think, my own, leaves a lot to be desired. It's not as radical as what I see here. Well, secondly, I, I see that there's a, their devotion is real. It's real. And by this, I mean that these activities that the community is doing day by day, uh, it's, they're not things, it doesn't look like they're things that people feel like they had to do or they should do, right? It's not like Peter... Um, made a list of programs that they were going to do as a group, and then he put up a sign-up sheet in the foyer and then had to be like, okay, guys, you've got to sign up to show up to praise God on Tuesday, right? It's, it's, it's a natural outgrowth. These people were coming because they wanted to. It's, it talks about how in verse 47, um, or I'm sorry, 46, it talks that they were glad they were attending temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were glad to be there. They wanted to be with one another. They wanted to be worshiping God together. They wanted to be learning more about what, who this Jesus was and what he had done and who he is. In verse 43, it says, awe came upon every soul. There was, a, there was this, general, this genuine sense of awe and joy. I doubt that you could have kept these people away from one another to get together and to rejoice in what God had done. Their devotion is real. And, and so I, I just want to say, I, I think it's, first of all, it's, it's important that we not be ruled by our feelings, okay? It's important that, like, sometimes we need to show up when we don't feel like it. We need to show up to Bible study, to small group, small group when we don't feel like it. We need to, we need to show up and, and pray and talk to God and read our Bible when we don't feel like it, certainly. If, if we only did these things when, when it was real and we genuinely felt it, sadly, we'd do it a lot less than we do. But I think God wants more for us than that. He doesn't simply want you to talk to him because you're supposed to. He wants you to talk to him because... That is where you will find gladness and joy. I think we should raise the bar of what, what, what God wants, uh, what, what we understand God wanting for us, is that he wants us to, to, to worship him, to, to live in his presence on a day-by-day basis with gladness and joy. And so the devotion is real. It's radical, it's real. Thirdly, it's relevant as the church devotes itself to the teaching of the apostles and to prayer and to being together and sacrificing for one another, to worshiping God, one thing that happens at the end of the passage is in verse 47, it says they're praising God and they have favor with all of the people. And the Lord adds to their number day by day those who are being saved. They have favor. As, as they continue meeting together, as they continue worshiping God, as they, as they, conti- as they continue listening to the teaching of the apostles, it, it's, a, it's a public enough thing that, that people around them see this and they are attracted to it. This group of, th- of 3,000 3, people experiences the favor of the people around them. The people around them see them and say, well, they have something that 
I need, maybe. They have something that I want. I mean, certainly the early church had its enemies and its critics, and there were, there were people who, who were trying to kill and stamp out the early church, the first believers. But here it says that, that as they gathered together in this radical way, as, the, as the, the world around them saw their devotion, they experienced the favor of all the people. And, and it was favorable enough that, that people were, that God used it to draw people into the community day by day, every single day, more and more people were coming to be part of this group, to believe, to repent and believe and take hold of Jesus. Now, we all have a lot of different relationships with different groups of people in our lives. Um, We have people that we work with, that we interact with every day. We have um, people in our families, people um, in friendships with people that have similar interests to ours that we've gotten to know. Um, we, We have other students that we go to school with that we sit next to in geometry or chemistry or whatever at the lunch table. We have other, uh, you know, if if you're a parent, you have relationships with other parents of kids in your schools or on your sports teams, on your kids' sports teams. And the the question I just want to ask all of us is this, you know, how much do those people around you notice your devotion to Jesus, your devotion to his people? Or is your devotion so paper thin that they have no idea part of your life? Do we need to make changes in the way that we speak with the people around us and and, and, and into our life as a whole that others might see our devotion, that others might actually have an opportunity to say, look, they have something that I need. They have something that I want. whether it's in in just being more upfront about sharing my relationship with God in Christ, or or maybe it's in in inviting somebody over to, to, to know me better, to be able to see more of my life. Maybe having dinner with them or or just getting together with, for coffee with somebody. How relevant is your faith? How relevant is your devotion for the people around you? Do they have an opportunity to look at you and to be struck, to be impacted by who God is and what he has done in your life and what he is doing and how he's working? And so this is what uh, I think you see here, this, this, this devotion that is radical, it's real, it's relevant. And, and as I, you know, even as I, I've, I've been talking about it, as, I, as I've been thinking about this message this week, it's, it's as I said, I, I'm, I'm convicted myself, and I feel like, man, this is, this is heavy. I can't do this. I can't be as radical as I know I should be. So often of the time, I don't, I don't feel it. I'm not as glad and joyful as I, I know I should be. How do I get to a point where I'm, I'm experiencing just a little bit more of, of the devotion that you see here at the end of Acts 2? How do I get to that place? And I would argue that maybe the problem with us doesn't lie necessarily in our, in our uh, ability even maybe to be devoted because I look around and I see a lot of us are devoted to things, are really devoted to things. 
where we make sacrifices, we fill our lives with it. I think that the problem isn't, isn't necessarily in our ability to be devoted, but maybe in what, we're being, what, we're, what we are being devoted to. It's in, it's in our understanding of the object of our devotion. That is what I think you see this whole thing is born out of. It's actually a reaction. What you see in the, at the end of Acts 2 is it's, it's a reaction to something. And that's the last thing I want to point to, that, that, that real devotion is a response. It's reacting to something. One of my um, favorite moments in, in high school growing up in, in science class would always be the day when the, the teacher would come in and do a, a science experiment, especially like on, you know, on chemical reactions and I'm sure maybe some of you at least, or maybe a lot of you have seen the chemical reaction where, or the, the, the example where they take a two liter of soda, maybe ginger ale or something, and then they, you drop a whole uh, stack of Mentos in there. Have you ever seen somebody do that? You know what happens? It immediately starts fizzing, and then it just explodes out the top, right? It's awesome. And the kids love it. The kids love it. The adults love it, too. I've seen, I've seen some YouTube videos where guys do these, you know, choreographed things, so like classical music, where there's like thousands of bottles just exploding everywhere. But what you see there is the, the soda, whatever, the ginger ale is just sitting there doing nothing until this, these mentos are dropped in there. You know, this thing that it reacts to and then it explodes. And what you see here is an explosion of devotion reacting to God. To, first of all, Peter's proclamation of what God has done in Jesus. That Jesus Christ has come and he's been crucified and he has risen and he's alive. And he is Lord and King. And if you, and if you believe in him, then you will have the power of God, the Spirit of God poured out upon your life. And what you see here is a reaction of of, of the news of who Jesus is, that he has come to die to pay for the, the sins of the people, that, that they could be forgiven, that they could know God and know God's love and his presence and his power in their lives. It's a reaction to that. It's a reaction to, to, the, to the actual work of God here. You even see God working here where it talks about these signs and wonders being done through the apostles in verse 43, where God is saying to the people clearly, look, I am here and I am speaking through these guys. It's a reaction to the, the power of God's word going forth. It's a reaction to, to God's power as he, it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, it's, it's not because the, the apostles were convincing people. It's not because the, the lives of these people were so incredibly attractive that people had to come and be like, oh, I got to be with you. It's because God was doing something to grab a hold of the people and bring them in. It's because God's spirit was at work. I think part of the problem with our devotion is that I think maybe we have a, we have a misconception of who God is. We have a, a small understanding, a small view of how, who God is. That, that uh, initial illustration I was talking about with Forrest Gump, you know what happens at, at the end uh, of this scene. Forrest is running down the road. These people are running behind him. They've left everything to follow him, right? And then eventually, after like three and a half years of running, Forrest gets up there and then he just stops out in the middle of nowhere. I think it's like in the Midwest somewhere, right? Right out in the West. And then he turns around, and, and then they all stop, and then the lead guy's like, wait, he's going to say something. And then Forrest just goes, I'm pretty tired. I'm going to go home now. 
And then he starts walking back, and they all kind of part. And he walks through them, and they're just all like dumbstruck. And the lead guy again, he's just like, what are we supposed to do now? You know, I, I think we have this conception of God that he's going to be like Forrest Gump. He's going to disappoint us if we leave everything, if we follow him in this radical way. If we make every day about him like this, he's going to disappoint us. But as you look at Acts, as you look at the rest of the book of Acts, you see that is not the case. As you look at the rest of the Bible, this is not the case. The the same Jesus who lived and died and rose again to pay for your sin and to set you free from sin and death and your guilt and shame, that is the same Jesus who is alive today. He will not fail you. He will not disappoint you. The same spirit that is at work here is at work today. And we need to look to him and cry out to him and and say, God, we we want you to, to create an explosion in my heart and in this community that we would see you, that we would see your glory and that you would use us. The devotion you see here is a reaction to the work of God. It's a, it's a reaction to the declaration of the work of Jesus. It's a reaction to the news that we can receive forgiveness. We can receive the power of God. We receive the presence of God himself. I mean, this is what belief is. It's a reaction to the greatness and the sufficiency of God in Jesus Christ. I want to finish by, because what we need more, more than anything is, is for the Spirit to be dropped into the two leaders of our hearts. I want to finish by just taking a few minutes to pray together, okay? I'm going to open and I'm going to leave a a little space for you guys to pray as you see fit, silently or aloud, if you want to pray aloud, and then uh, I'll close us after just a couple minutes. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us, that you would... Show us more of yourself, of your power and your glory, of your sufficiency, of the sacrifice of your son, of your devotion to your people, that we would react, that our hearts would react, that we would respond with a devotion that is absolutely radical and real. Father, we pray that you would do a work in us. That we would see more of Jesus. We would experience more of your love. Father, we pray that you would help us to be people who who devote ourselves to you, who build our lives on you and your love. 
on your truth, on the gospel of Jesus, and the good news. Father, we pray that you would use us to grow your kingdom. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.